When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. You know, it's kind of funny today after Oilers practice, Todd McClellan does his uh, meeting with the media, and he was asked about how the team can get better on face-offs. What are they going to do to limit some of the face-off losses? Well, there's there's different things that we're doing now. We just need to get the results. Well, that's like asking if we're going to keep throwing the curveball in the second pitch of the game. Like, <laughs> I don't think any uh the baseball managers are going to answer that. So, All right. A little moment of levity. Yeah, we're going to try to do things to get better. And he left it at that. Mark Letestu, who was uh, above 50% in the face-off circle in the regular season, but in this series as a team, the Oilers are only 40.5%. He was talking about face-offs today as well. I mean, face-offs, sometimes they get kind of focused on just the two guys digging in. Uh, we have to be better as centermen. Uh, they were one, we were 30, so this disparity was probably expected a little bit coming into the series. Uh, but face-offs have to become a team thing. Uh, your wingers have to get bumps inside, your D have to get hold up, they have to win pucks that are 50-50 pucks. Uh, and maybe bring that from a 70-30 to maybe a you know, 55-45, you know, something like that. So uh, we're probably not going to win the face-off battle, but we have to do a better job of at least turning those face-offs into battle situations where it's not just a free set. Yeah, yeah, and it's not always about winning the draw clean. Uh, sometimes the centerman's just got to win a puck to an area where your teammate can do some work for you. Uh, and we just have to do a better job in those areas. Yeah, if you're, you're not cheating, you're not trying. I mean, the best guy in the league probably cheats the best. So it's it's one of those things where you're just trying to get an advantage, and the linesmen are there to throw you out when he, when he feels it's too, uh, too over the line. But... Uh, it's not like we're not cheating. You know, we're not the cleanest team in the league in face-offs. It's just we haven't won as many as the other team right now. All right. Well, first, uh, you know the story. The Ducks were first in the regular season. The Oilers were last. Uh, I mentioned in this series, it's basically 60-40 for the Ducks. I'll just round it off by game 58-42, 64-36 in the Oilers' game two victory, and then 57-43 on Sunday night. I, I, you know, And I think for the Oilers, they know they're not going to win more than 50%. They've almost conceded that. But it's not losing them clean, and it's making sure other players chip in if the centerman is in a little bit of trouble. So that's a continuing storyline for your Edmonton Oilers. 4-1, the Rangers leading Ottawa early in the third. As we look at the scoreboard for Crystal Glass, for all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.ca. Predators and Blues will start at the bottom of the hour. The Blue Jays tonight losing 7-2 to the uh, New York Yankees. That game now in the bottom of the sixth. NBA playoffs tonight. The Celtics lead the Wizards, or pardon me, the Wizards have just gone ahead 62-61 late in the uh, first half. 
That series has Boston up 1-0. The Jazz and the Warriors play Game 1 later on tonight. That's a look at the Crystal Glass scoreboard. Connor McDavid has been uh, nominated for the Ted Lindsay. That's the most outstanding player in the league. As selected by members of the NHL Players Association, the uh, other finalists are Sidney Crosby and Brent Burns. Of course, uh, Crosby out for tomorrow's game with a concussion. But McDavid not worried about the individual awards. He's focused on Game 4. It's going to take a, a genius to figure out that. Um, leaving here 3-1 is a lot better than, than leaving here tied series. So I'm definitely have a big swing game in this series. What's the next gear for this team to reach? Because I get the sense there's a couple other levels that you guys would like to get to in order to finish off the series. Yeah, I think so, and, and we're going to need to get to that uh, if we're going to win the series. So um, you know, we definitely have to define that extra level. We did. We found a way to, to do that in the San Jose series. Uh, and it was tied 2-2 there. And, um, no, but uh, we definitely have to find another gear here. Was the second period in Game 3 your best period of this series? And just a case of Gibson making some unreal saves. Uh, yeah, it could have been. I thought we were very good in that second period. Uh, you know, he made some great saves. Um, kept them in it. Uh, I can't really say kept them in it, but you know, ultimately, you know, if some of those go in, you know, we're, 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 we're holding on to the lead in the third period, so a little bit of a different game. Um, but he Credit to him, he made some good stops. When you think about that period, what are some things that the team was doing to generate the chances consistently uh, that maybe hasn't been going on in other portions of the series? I just threw her on her toes, um, ready to go. Um, you know, I felt like you know we just were fed up being down three nothing, three one, and just wanted to find a way to get ourselves back in the game, and we ultimately did that. And um, you know, we can feel good about that, I guess. But you know, the, the game overall was not uh, not good at all. Not, not our best uh, by any means. Have matchups been overstated in this series? Is it really not that big of a deal? No, it's not that big of a deal. It's two good teams going at it. Um, you know, I've said that all along. And coming into this series, and no disrespect to Edmonton, but even up two games to none, I was still kind of in the back of my mind. I was thinking, this feels like it's going to be a long series. But when you guys think about Anaheim, it, is, is that kind of the mentality in terms of we're in it for the long term? can't get too down or up based on one period, one shift? Oh, you can't. And um, you know, I think, I think, especially game two, you know, we maybe not have been a deserve to win that one. So um, you know, the series could, could be a different series completely um, you know, for, for, for some, some good goaltending and, and some fortunate bounces. So you know, we're aware of that. We understand that. And um, yeah. Whether you deserve it or not, it looks to me like you're in a good position. Is that the way the group feels too? Yeah, I think so. To be up 2-1 at home, and, and have another home game and, and to have the chance to go up 3-1, I think, uh, you know, we're still in a good spot. Um, you know, like I said, it, last game wasn't even our best game, and, and we were still in it for the most part. So I think um, we, we definitely uh, could still feel good about that. That is Connor McDavid, the Oilers' number one center. The man who used to be the team's number one center is Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who has transformed his game this season. He doesn't have a playoff goal, though he does have some pretty good scoring chances, and he's taken on a bit more of a checking and two-way role. And I think that's of interest to Cam Moon, who calls play-by-play for the Red Deer Rebels and was covering Nuge when he had the season that made him the number one pick in uh, the NHL draft a few years ago. Cam, welcome back to the show. I know you watch Nuge intently, and maybe you never thought that this would be uh, the type of role he'd have in the NHL, or maybe you did. What have you seen from the young man this season? Well, I've seen him definitely see him uh, 
rounding out his game. Like he, he continues to mature as a player. And, you know, I didn't expect him to be a guy in this role in the National Hockey League, but he's such a smart player and multi-talented that, you know, if that's what needs to be done, that's what needs to be done. And I don't, I don't doubt that if he puts his mind to it, he can change his role and still be a very effective guy. So that's great. Love to see that. Love to see him contributing because he most certainly is. And he's been really good for the Oilers here in the playoffs. Just in a, yeah, a little different. You expect him to be racking up points. But right now he's playing a role where he's got to make sure the other team's not scoring and has to play well defensively. You know, he always did play well defensively in Red Deer too, even though he was putting up great numbers uh, in the WHL. It's not like he was... Uh, ever a liability defensively because uh, he always you know, had great attention to detail and all the different aspects of his game. Cam, I also want to touch base with you here quickly on the uh, or the Western Hockey League final. It's going to be Seattle against Regina. Uh, I know for Seattle, Oilers prospect Ethan Bear has missed the last three games with a wrist injury. It's going to start on uh, Friday. Regina's been a power all year. How do you handicap this one? I think it's going to be a great, uh, great final. That high-flying ability of the Regina Pats, who play a very exciting game against um, a Seattle Thunderbird team that can play a real physical game, but they've got their top-end guys out uh, as well. I mean, Matthew Barzell, first-round pick of the New York Islanders, has been so good for that team offensively. Uh, Keegan Colasar, who's a Columbus Blue Jacket draft pick, he's been really good. Ethan Bear, unfortunately, out right now. The Oilers <laughs> draft pick can uh, make things happen offensively from the back end, too. And what about Carl Stankowski? How about the story of this guy? A 16-year-old goaltender for the Seattle Thunderbirds, their number one goaltender, Ryland Toes, who played with the Ranger Rebels the last couple years. He's been out with injuries since the middle of March, and all Stankowski has done, who is a first-year guy and uh, was injured most of the season, and he has taken his team all the way to the WHL final. So I think it's going to be a great series. Uh, Regina had, have had their ups and downs. They were down 3-1 to the Swift Current Broncos in the second round. Had a battle back to win that series. and He's just won in six over the Lethbridge Hurricanes. They had a really good postseason. I, I just think that, uh, that Regina Pats, I mean, they've been, been top team all year. Uh, they've had some injuries through the course of the playoffs, but uh, Austin Wagner, LA King draft pick, was out for a while. Now he's back. Uh, Jake Lecician's been out really for the whole most mostly the second half of the season, so that's hurt them for sure. But uh, I think it's going to be a great series and uh, one that will probably go right down to the wire. Seattle was in the WHL final last year and came up short. They're looking for revenge, and uh, Regina's got uh, you know the most offensively potent team in the WHL. Should be great. Cam, look forward to following that. Thanks as always for chiming in on Inside Sports, buddy. We'll talk again soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot, Reed. That's Red Deer Rebels play-by-play voice Cam Moon checking in tonight. Yes, Seattle Regino, they will start on Friday. We'll uh, go to the desert. Little update from Vegas. Brian Blessing from the Vegas Hockey Hotline when we get back inside Sports on Ched. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 720. 
Inside sports on 6.30, Chad, Rangers still up 4-1 on the Senators. About eight and a half minutes left in the third period in that game as the Rangers tried to get their first win of the series. Blues and Predators coming up at the bottom of the hour. Oilers and Ducks tomorrow, 6 o'clock face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 8. The Oilers lead the series two games to one. Next year, the Oilers will have a new division rival, the Vegas Golden Knights, and we're going to check in with what's going on in the fine city of Las Vegas with Brian Blessing. He's the host of the Vegas Hockey Hotline on KSHP in Vegas. Brian, you're on with Reed. Thanks for joining me, man. How are you doing? Hey, Reed, how you doing? Thanks, Thanks, bud. You were on my show last week. I'm telling you, you guys got business to deal with now, but I, if the NHL has a brain in their head, the first game in Las Vegas should be Connor McDavid and the Oilers at T-Mobile Arena. Well, that would be pretty cool. I mean, McDavid's one of the biggest names in the game, obviously. I think he's going to win the Hart Trophy. He's already won the Art Ross as the league's uh, leading scorer. And and do you think, I mean, look, I know there are hockey fans there and people are excited in the tickets, but do you think that's the best way to make a splash to maybe the fans who are on the fence or the casual fan? you gotta you got to bring the, uh, the biggest name into town. No, I, the reason I'm saying it, I, I think, I mean, the season tickets, you know, I'm thinking 14,000 season right. tickets. The barn's going to be full all the time. My thing is, they're doing the NHL award ceremony in concert with the expansion draft to make a splash for national television. But make this first game in Las Vegas, the first week of the season, bring Hockey Night in Canada down here and get, you know, have, have that, that NBC game, have it a Hockey Night in Canada game. And uh, why not have the biggest star, have McDavid in here and really you know, drive Hockey Night Canada down here and create some kind of buzz? Let me ask you this. Right now, who's the most popular NHL team with uh, citizens of Las Vegas and area? Is there one? Oh, wow, that's a great question. I think there are so many you know, people that have moved here uh, that there's just such a mixed bag that there are... You know, 100,000 people here from Chicago, 70,000 from Philly, 40,000 from Buffalo. I think in Detroit, I I think it's a big mixed bag. I think people will gravitate to the community having their own team, and I think that's the beauty of it. To me, unlike the Raiders coming here, uh, this is Las Vegas' team. Uh, I'm from Buffalo, and I spent most of my life looking over my shoulder with someone trying to steal the football team. <laughs> and I know what that feeling's like. The difference was the Raiders came looking here. At least Las Vegas didn't poach the Raiders. But I think I think this team is going to be homegrown. And I think the football team, when it eventually starts, I think 40 to 50% of the people that go to those games are coming in from out of town. Interesting stuff. Brian Ble- uh, Brian Blessing joining us from the Vegas Hockey Hotline. Uh, I, I want to touch base with you on the NHL draft lottery Obviously, New Jersey won. Philadelphia and Dallas moved up as well. Vegas is going to draft sixth. Um, I mean, it would have been cool for Vegas to get that first overall pick or maybe get their numbers drawn and uh, and stay in the top three. What what's does does, does that change anything? You know, I think uh, fr- franchise perception wise or the approach for the team and how they draft. How how, how did you look at the lottery results? I uh, yeah, I didn't lose. I lose 10 seconds sleep over it, Reed, to be honest with you. Again, I, I throw this out there. I follow the Sabres to this day religiously. Used to do work on their broadcast and, and uh, still have a very fond spot in my heart. Uh, Western New York will always have a, a part of me. And I, I know all about losing the NHL draft lottery. 
so I don't want to hear uh, you know anybody here whining about it. Right. Specifically this year, you know the, the one and two is a coin flip. I mean that that's you know juxtaposing every other day, and then I think you got about eight ten guys that are all cut from the same cloth. Personally, it may not be the worst thing in the world. Uh, if you're picking six, maybe you go off the board and you go down and you take the best defenseman in the draft. Because I think the majority of these kids, unlike previous years, there's no Matthews and Liney and Lorenzi go down the line. I think the majority of these kids, you know, may end up going back to juniors, and it's more of a normal NHL draft. I mean, we're spoiled with generational talents like McDavid and Eichel and Matthews, and you know, in recent years, this is more what we've been accustomed to all our lives. Where you know, go back three, four years ago, Sam Reinhart, Sam Bennett. They went back to the minors. Mm-hmm. You know, Ekblad stuck. But number two and number three went back to the minors. Or not the minors, the juniors. Yeah, well, and even Dreisaitl did eventually, right? And yeah, that's a good point. Uh, before I let you go, I mean, I know you watch tons of hockey, and, and given your proximity to California, you've seen Anaheim play tons. Give us your impressions of the oilers Duck series and what you think we're in for next, Brian. It's phenomenal. Uh, I, I, I'm upset they're not playing tonight. We have to wait an extra day for it. Full disclosure, I picked the uh, Ducks over the Rangers uh, in the Cup Finals, so I still believe Anaheim is very much alive in this series. And the analogy I made the other day in a weird way, and I'm not saying it ends up this way, but I think it's, this series kind of mirrors the NBA where the Celtics lost the first two at home, then went to Chicago and won the next two, and then they kept going. I can see Anaheim winning this next game and turning it into a best of three. And then I think it'll be highly dramatic. This is a team with back class reads. Their defense, they just keep coming at you. Uh, and Silverberg, a guy that's always been connected with Vegas, is playing himself onto a protected list. Gets blocked playing like a man possessed. The Oilers have been resilient. They're fun to watch. Um, game two, Talbot stole game two. So I, I think that this is virtually dead even, and it, if the Ducks win tomorrow night, a best-of-three series, uh, who knows who wins. But I, I think this is going to go deep. It may go seven. Brian, we'll do this. Uh, we'll do this later on in the spring or summer when I when I got a little more time. But I do appreciate you popping on. Thanks for giving us a, an update on uh, what's happening hockey-wise in Vegas as well, man. We'll talk to you again soon, okay? Oh, hey. Reed, my pleasure, and I'm excited for all the fans in Edmonton. I know they're going nuts, and, and enjoy. It's a great time of year. Awesome stuff. That is Brian Blessing from the Vegas Hockey Hotline. This is Inside Sports on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. This is Darius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Two minutes left in the third period. Rangers up 4-1 on Ottawa. So looks like Ottawa's series lead will be cut to 2-1. Oilers, Ducks tomorrow on 6.30. Ched Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. We have the face-off show at 6 and then the play-by-play at 8. Going to be fun. My name is Reed Wilkins and i got two special guests in studio from the Edmonton Eskimos. Ryan King. Hello, Ryan. Hello, how you doing? And Neil King. Hello, Neil. Hey, how you doing? Great to see you guys. Uh, we've interviewed you both a, f- uh, a few times. Never had you both in at the same time. Yes, they are related. They have the same last name. They are brothers. And uh, how, many, how, how long have you been teammates now? Two years, one year? 
Uh, we're going into our, with the CFL, going into our second year. Right. Um, we played football all the way back into high school, though, so we definitely uh, have Wild a history. Cats, yeah, Wildcats. Wildcats. Got a history of playing football together, that's all right. for sure. All right. Is it fun being teammates again? For sure. Absolutely. Uh, we're both similar players and kind of similar attitudes when we play the game, too, so we've always... Uh, we've had fun going through the different levels of football and competing together. And he, I was always a middle linebacker. He was always a safety. So we'd always be holding down the middle, you know. So Who's older again? I'm two years older. All right. Yeah. Uh, and so was there a lot of competition when you guys were younger? Uh, for sure. We have an older brother as well, too, that's uh, two years older than I am. Uh, and so there was, there was three of us growing up together, all two years apart, all going through football. All going through, you know, junior high, high school, everything together, basically. And uh, yeah, it was there were some battles at home. You know, the hockey gloves and the hockey helmets were on multiple times, <laughs> and uh, we were always uh, calling mom and dad at random times. You know, Neil's got a busted nose, or I Andrew punched me in the face, or something. And so, Neil, when we, did that calm down a little bit, and the um, maturity kick in, or maybe it hasn't yet? Oh no, it's uh, you know, <laughs> definitely got too big. Yeah, it, once we damage. got too big, that we would actually inflict some pretty good damage on each other. I think that's when we kind of so pulled, it, pulled it back a little bit. But uh, join squads. Yeah, definitely having two older brothers uh, definitely set the competitive uh, nature for me. Why I'm so com- uh, competitive in in just sports in general. So we definitely had uh, a lot of a lot of fights, a lot of uh, you know, just three brothers growing up in a, in a household. You're gonna have some uh, good competition going on the house well you guys have been doing some great stuff and i want to talk about uh y- your travels and some of the good work you've been doing and tell that story but you're both e- you're both edmontonians so are you uh enthralled by what the oilers are, are doing or, or where are you at with that oh it's amazing the the whole city is just vibrating right now you can you can see it just you can feel it almost on on game days going downtown it's just really cool to see uh how excited the city is uh throughout these playoffs and how good the uh, the oilers are playing right now yeah and I was working in the bars when the last one was going on, you know, <laughs> Squires on White Ave. So I was, uh, I remember how crazy the, the city was when that happened. And it's cool to see, you know, the same thing happen again. So it's, uh, yeah, go Oilers for sure. Being pro athletes yourselves, does that, do you watch sports differently now that you're pros? I think so. I think uh, I definitely do. Like, I'm always looking for, like, things behind the ball or, like, you know, where the pass might be going or not exactly the person that would have the ball. And I think a lot of people watch sports or watch TV, you see who has the ball or the big dunk or, sure. you know, whenever I'm looking to, uh, yeah, probably different angles. But, you know, the, at the same time, you know, if you watch UFC, you're watching two guys punch each other out. So <laughs> some sports are similar. Some sports you probably look at a little different. But, uh, yeah, we got, a, we got an athletic guy. So, Neil, can you... I mean, whether you're watching the Oilers or another team that you like, can you let yourself, you know, be kind of as crazy a fan and and, and be a, as absorbed in it? You know, uh, or now that you are a player and have fans cheering for you, does it feel different? Um, you know, you definitely uh, get, I still get excited watching Oilers, still watching football games. Um, same sort of thing. Like when, when I'm watching the games, I'll catch things uh, I feel like that other people don't really see. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I just, I, I look at sports as just a, a huge appreciation at, at each level of how good the athletes are in every single sport so whether it's hockey nba even baseball and football you know each each sport really kind of brings its own uh uh, type of athlete and i've really learned to appreciate i always have but it just kind of continually grows for me how the appreciation for each athlete and how specific their skills are how do you guys deal with uh you know stuff you might hear from from fans or a guy like me on the radio where you know sometimes i gotta i mean heck i've criticized mike riley and he's 
the best player on your t- on your on your yeah, team. You gotta do your job too, you know. Like you're you're a professional at what you do. Um, you're passionate about what you do. Um, you know, you're not going outside the lines. You're not going um, where you shouldn't. And I think you know you gotta re- you gotta understand negative criticism isn't always you know bad pub to get anyways. But uh, at the same time, if you have a bad game, you have a bad game. We know that you know, and people are gonna talk bad about you and Mike Riley goes out and throws five touchdowns and everyone loves you again that's just part of the the emotions of football you know and um, football is a very passionate game you know with a lot of emotions so um, yeah people are going to say whatever you're going to read stuff in the paper um, but you know you got to just let it go I, I try not to watch much news or listen to much radio or read much papers until the season's done and kind of go back and check a little bit out but uh you know we let you guys do what you do and we do what we do right can't let it be distracting yeah eh? totally which uh which cfl stadium has the uh, best hecklers with the best hecklers <laughs> a lot of them yeah they're, we're, 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 we're kind of hated on the road a little bit i don't know like you're pretty we, close we, to we, the we, stands we stir too. the pot a little bit too i think but <laughs> Um, Win- Winnipeg is pretty good. Yeah. Winnipeg's got some. But you guys always win there. <laughs> well, yeah. that's true. Yeah. That, that's why they don't like us. Up. That's why they don't like yeah, us I there, always, right? That's, that's so the, there. I always have the last word. If I need to pull that out, I can. But, but no, I think like a lot of times on the road, it's fun to play on the road for that exact reason. Like you know, you get the same season ticket holders. You know, now six, seven years in a row, like you know, you almost know these guys, and I've never met these guys off of outside of our stands, like telling me I suck. You know, so it's. Uh, <laughs> It's a fun part of the game that, uh, you know, you can get as involved as much with as you want. But some guys just block it out. Some guys have a little bit of fun, you know, and uh, it's all part of the game. Ryan King, long snapper for the Edmonton Eskimos in studio, along with Neil King, safety for the Edmonton Eskimos. Okay, I want to talk about your your season prep and the excitement for training camp, but you guys did some pretty cool stuff. Uh, So tell me about your trip to Ukraine and to France. What, What was going on? What was the purpose of this? What kind of stuff did you get to do? Uh, so we were there to uh, support the troops. It was really a big morale booster. Uh, we went to Lviv, Ukraine, and Marseille, France. So uh, it was just, uh, honestly, for me, it was an incredible experience. It was a huge life experience for me. Uh, just stepping into our troop shoes um, and seeing how they go through their day-to-day, uh, you know, protocol and activities and, and just hanging out with the troops. Just, just they're, they're, they're normal people. They're just regular guys, and they're, they're out there, you know, protecting our country and giving us the... Uh, you know the rights that we have here to live the, the life that we do so uh, just a big eye-opener for for me um, and just huge respect for what those guys do over there and I think there's a lot of similarities when you look at uh, uh, the military and, and professional sports in general you get a lot of really passionate people um, there's a lot of perfectionists at a, at a skill or a craft they do a position they play or uh, they're all very team oriented. Uh, they're used to being a part of a team. It's not an individual um, game for them. And, uh, you know, they're always kind of looking out for everyone around you. And same as football, too. You're always looking out for your teammates. You're always looking out, you know, rolling together. And when you're on the field or off the field or you're eating together, it's cool to see when you're down there across the country, uh, the world. Um, these, these troops are together. They, they go in there and they're proud to be Canadian. They're proud to be soldiers. They're proud to be representing the rest of the military. They do have some really tough conditions that are, they have to live in over there, some tough food, you know, but the military does a, is the best job they can to, you know, facilitate these guys to do what they got to do. And um, the state that this world is in right now, the world needs some Canada, man. They need some love, you right. know what I mean? And that's what they're down there doing is they're down there, they're down there training soldiers, Ukrainians, and, and, and they're not actually fighting. So it's a... It's even just a support role. So Canada's over there, you know, representing us well, and 
Um, and in France and Marseille, we had a great time mm-hmm. uh, tour in France. Were you on a, sh- a ship there? Yeah, we were on the we were on a, um, a St. John's. Yeah, the St. John's. St. John's uh, battle cruiser. Uh, it's a frigate. Uh, yeah. It's like basically our Canadian destroyer. I'm probably saying that wrong, but that's pretty much what it is. Okay. And, uh, it was cool. So we got to another tour of the the ship. You know, we got to try on all the gear and hold all the guns and show you where they yes. shoot all the missiles and do all the radar and the wow. scanning and, and all that stuff. Yeah, and it was some, incredible. Some behind the scenes stuff that you'd never get to do again in your life, you know? So it was, uh, you just had to take every moment in of it. And, and, and again, I'm so proud to be who I am and to be Canadian after you do something like this even more, you know, it's pretty special. Who said, who, how, how'd this come about? I mean, did a bunch of CFL guys go or how did you connect with it? I, this was actually my second time on this trip, so oh, I went nice. the year okay. before as well. Um, with Sean White, me and me and Sean went uh, with Len Rhodes mm-hmm. uh, and Montreal. A couple guys from Montreal went. We went with some hockey guys: uh, Tiger Williams, Brian Scrudlin, Oh, nice. Uh, uh, Thornton, like a bunch of beauty hockey players. So we all went down there to the same spots and Kuwait, and we had a great time. And it was an awesome trip. The troops loved it. You know, you go down there just to just to shake up their six or nine month deployment. Mm-hmm. It's humongous. You know, go down there with some some Canadian beef. You know, roll down there and, right. and have a big barbecue with them. Like it's a it's a big uh, it's a big thing for them. And, and uh, so that's how we kind of got on it. And then this year, um, the commissioner was with us last year. So he then basically said, "Okay, we're gonna do a CFL trip." They got in on it, obviously because of our uh, military appreciation. You know, CFL love, right? Yeah, that relationship's already there. And before we knew it, the following year, there's uh, two players from every team, 18 players across the league, um, work off to Ukraine again. That's and, awesome. Uh, and France. Yeah. So it was it was uh, a great experience. Cool to do with my brother. Um, it was great to get on because he was uh, he was so involved with it last year. Uh, I just really kind of received a, an email saying, "Hey, you want to do this?" And I was. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, so it was. So when was uh, this? Just last month? Just in uh, April? So we, yeah, the the logistics kind of got set up. Uh, you know, six weeks ago, kind okay. of uh, six to eight weeks ago, we were in Ukraine last week. Uh, so and it was it was a five six day kind of round trip. Um, so you know, we got back last Friday. Yeah, I think so it was. We oh, so just got back. back. Okay, yeah, yeah. so we've only been back for not even not just even sleeping, a week. Sleeping right, just again. getting That's back onto the schedule. Yeah, right, man. it's just just a total different world over there. But it was uh, it was so incredible just to to see the cities. When we were in Ukraine, uh, we ran uh, we we got a tour of the base uh, that they have over there, and we ran all the troops through a football clinic, which was really cool. So we had positional like DBs, linebackers, long snappers you know, O-line, D-line, and it was just kind of a big, like, rotation, and, you know, there's over 200 troops that we have stationed over there, so, like Ron said, it was cool just to, to break up their, uh, you know, their routine, and it felt like they can just kind of get out of, you know, their uh, their day-to-day activities and just have a lot of fun, you know, and as, as cool as it was for them, it was just equally uh, as awesome for us just to be there and spend time with the guys. Did you guys, did they mention, are they able to follow the CFL a lot while they're deployed? Yeah, there was, uh, so there was, the, the majority of the people that were stationed, they do six-month deployments. Okay. Um, so a lot of people that were deployed from, uh, uh, in, in the base, were deployed from Edmonton. So it was cool to kind of have a connection with a we lot of the fans troops. out there. Yeah, so like <laughs> when, uh, on stage. when we were on stage, um, <laughs> we, got the love. There was, uh, we were also there with Dallas Smith and John Sheehan, a uh, comedian. So uh, every time we, when we were in, in Ukraine, we did a concert um, and, and a comedian skit and a, a comedy skit. And before that, we would get called up, you know, team by team and give, so give a bunch of gear away. and Throw it on the crowd. Yeah, throw oh, it nice. the crowd. Yeah. And, and just, uh, you know, when we were 
got called up and Orion and I, they definitely made the loudest noise <laughs> when awesome. we were up there. So it was, <laughs> like, it was like, what's going on here? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, Edmonton. Edmonton the, yeah, the whole right deployment right was probably, you know, 80% of them were from Edmonton. So we so. gave all of our gear away in Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. We went to, we yeah. went on the boat with just a hat each. <laughs> Guys, uh, stick around because I want to talk to you about getting ready for the upcoming season because camp is already later this month. Ryan King and Neil King from Edmonton Eskimos in studio on Inside Sports. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, that's an appropriate little intro there. Mike Riley, quarterback for the Edmonton Eskimos. They have long snapper Ryan King and his brother, safety Neil King, in studio. What's Mike Riley like as a teammate? He's a leader. Guy's a warrior. He's uh, one of the biggest competitors um, that I've ever played with. Uh, He he is just, uh, uh, he prepares every game. Like he's gonna, like he's just gonna dominate every single game. So he's he's great to uh, to to lead the team, and he's he's just like I said, just one of the biggest competitors and a new dad. So it's going to be exciting yeah. for him, uh, you know, to to start adding those stories to to the little one too. And Mike's a he's a funny dude too. Yeah. Like he's he's got a an off the field life as well. That's. Uh, that's fun. It's a good mic, you know. He uh, likes to go out with the boys, have some beers when he can. He's all business on the field and likes to enjoy himself out the field. Obviously, with the new kid now, it's exciting for him and his wife. Um, and he's got a great – his dad always flies down to the yeah. games, so it's always good. It's like every time you walk in the locker room, you always see his bright white hair <laughs> shining down on you, you know, so you always know who that is. But, uh, yeah, no, Mike's a great guy. Comes in the off season, works hard, like I said, likes to hang out with the boys. Always is there to say what's up to you. He's not one of them prick quarterbacks. You know, he'll he'll stop and talk and and say whatever. So uh, yeah, he's he's a good guy. All right, uh, I don't know if you can say that word, but we just let you. Uh- <laughs> That bad. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, all right, so you guys were, you, we talked about the trip. You went to Ukraine, you went to France, you, you met Canadian military members. So you guys did great work there. Training camp is uh, three and a half weeks away. So what happens now? Do you, do you have to pick up the intensity or, you know, do you kind of nurse your body into it? Or, Ryan, I'll start with you. Um, I think we, I had a good offseason training. Uh, Spent the whole offseason in Commonwealth with uh, we had a good 10, 12 guys that stayed all offseason. So we had a good group that went. Um, body feels healthy, feel good right now. Kind of just you want to kind of coast into training camp now. You don't want to go, you know, you're not going to build much more uh, right now um, in the gym. So a lot of it's running, a lot of stairs, uh, trying to get on the field as much as I can, get the feedback, uh, snap as much footballs as I can. Like how many times will you snap in a day right uh, now? Right now, like probably 60 a day. So if I train, Five, six days a week, I'll get, yeah, 50, 60 snaps in five, six days a week right now. Okay. Starting to get used to And that's about a practice worth of snapping. So I always try to run like that, and I always try to run about a game's worth of snapping every day. So my body's basically just used to running, basically playing a game every day. Is Okay. I'm, I'm conditioned for that, you know. Um, so that's kind of where I'm kind of getting to right now and feel good and, yeah, just ready to kind of get out of the gym and get onto the field. What about you, Neil? Is your training different because you play a different position? Uh, it, it does have to change a little bit. I, I do a lot of, uh, you know, definitely functional work within DBs, like just working on your breaks, mm-hmm. working on your reads, getting in and out of your breaks, um, and just uh, kind of explosive, a lot a lot of explosive in, in short kind of close areas. Um, but right now, it's uh, like Ryan said, a lot of the work has, has been done. It was a great week or great season, uh, off season of training. Um, you know, we're, we're running, you know, four plus times a week right now, getting the conditioning back. 
uh, which is it's just feeling good. The body's feeling healthy. Everything's feeling good. Definitely, I'm getting into uh, uh, a bunch of film work, so just watching old game films. I've been doing that for the past couple weeks now, and uh, just so when you come into training camp, you know, uh, things are going to be popping. Your reads are going to be quick, and definitely looking to build off of last season. Brian, do you watch, being a snapper, do you watch as much film? And and if so, what, what do you watch, or is it different for you in that position? Totally different film, and I'm coming from a linebacker background and middle linebacker, so I used to watch tons of film. I'm right. always watching Neil on the road. He's always just watching as much film as he can, and uh, for me, it's almost, uh, yeah, it's different. It's a different position completely, and it was hard for me my first year to kind of transition from a linebacker to a snapper because you right. want to get out there and go run around and make every play, but uh, it's just not the job. It's not the responsibility. You've got to learn the learn the role, and uh, now I, I definitely watch lots of film of what teams are going to be bringing at us. A lot of teams are trying to block kicks, big point of the game, so sure. that's always a main focus every week for special teams is to make sure we get every punt off. Now, uh, sorry to cut you off, but you're... You, they're no longer allowed to line up a guy directly across from you, right? Yeah, they can they can line up a guy. You basically just can't. But you basically just can't smash me in the head like as soon as I snap the oh, ball. Like, okay, but you're so still I, and you're often getting two guys. Yeah, aren't you? no, you, and a lot of guys will send guys through the a gaps anyway. So their 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 linebacker is just flying through there. Right, they're not even trying to hit you. Like, but sometimes I got to block them. So there's definitely contact in there still. But they really wanted to, the the rule change was almost to uh, keep the. The front five from running downfield because we a lot of times we get downfield pretty quick and right. prevent you know big returns. They wanted to get more touchdowns and you know how they wanted to go more offensive on it, right? So you kind of slow five of us down. It's definitely a better opportunity for an offensive return than in, <laughs> it was before. So I get the rule change, but I definitely uh, yeah it rattles me sometimes when I gotta because you're getting drilled. I mean you can't see yeah, for that split second. I can't really and I can't go anywhere really for a second. So and and sometimes if they want to get you, they can get you. So I'm always trying to just be cool with everyone. You know I'm not I'm not trying to, I'm not talking trash anymore out there as much. I'm trying to just be cool with everyone so they're just cool with me. Guys, uh, we're kind of short on time, but uh, thanks for coming in. Just a couple of texts. Uh, one texter says, very cool interview with these players that went to support our troops. And John says, message to the Kingers, your Wildcat family is listening. You're doing great and are doing us proud. There awesome. you go. You, know, right you, you have an idea who that might be? Probably. I think he's... Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Wildcat alumni, man. Yeah, Wildcat alumni. Yeah. Always strong. Always yeah. strong. They actually got their spring camp coming up this week. So we'll Which be, we'll be at. Yeah, we'll oh, be good. At, yeah, we'll so, be yeah, we're always involved. Brian King, Neil King in studio from your Edmonton Eskimos. So we'll be talking to you guys more during camp throughout the season. So thanks again. Uh, Ottawa lost 4-1 to the Rangers. So the Rangers are back in that series. And uh, Nashville and St. Louis scoreless about seven minutes in. And the Blue Jays are trailing 8-4 to the Yankees in the bottom of the seventh. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. You also heard from Brian Blessing, Cam Moon, and Kelly Rudy. More on the Oilers on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Our game broadcast tomorrow starts with the face-off show at 6 p.m. The game against the Ducks is at 8. My name is Reed Wilkins. This has been Inside Sports. Charles Adler tonight is next. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.